I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a culinary icon, an on-screen favorite, joining us again to talk about her uplifting life motto and how to rescue your dull dishes. She is a chef, host, author, and host of the brand new show on Max, Chasing Flavor, it's Carla Hall. Welcome back to the podcast. You were with us 110 episodes ago, which is so wild to me to say. How have you been? Let's see. What even happens in 110 episodes? It's like dog years, podcast years. I'm great. (laughs) I'm doing really well. Well, last time we were together, we talked about you growing up in Nashville, your career pivots, and the power of saying yes. So with that in mind, since we last spoke, what are some things that you have said yes to that have really impacted your life? Wow. So I've said yes to another children's book. Recently, I said yes to a restaurant that even though it's far, 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 far away, like 2028. Okay. I said yes to a baking book, which I've never had. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, I mean, I'm saying, I'm talking about saying yes, like at the beginning stages of a yes. And I've said yes to a one woman show. Oh, I'm trying not to say yes to a new car. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the the salesman at the dealership would like you to say yes. (laughs) Can I tell you the last time I bought a new car? It was at least, I think, 16 years ago. I just. Wow. 
I think yeah. I met 10, 10 years ago was the last time. I, it wasn't even new. It was a used car, but it right. was new to me. I, I, I also like to hang on to things for a little bit longer. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, it's a new year. It's a fresh start. What are some things, feelings or experiences that you are specifically chasing this year? And what are you leaving behind? So it's so interesting that you say chasing because I have a new show called Chasing mm-hmm. Flavor. And it wasn't until I was doing the international travel for that show that I I see myself in other cultures. And it's it's almost like these breadcrumbs that are left from your past and your history that you're picking up in unexpected places. So it makes me curious about my food and as a, as a chef, as someone, as a presenter, you know, I hadn't said yes to another cookbook because I I needed to be drawn to the project. I didn't want to have to feel like I had to do it. And I think it's because my travel and because of like the, because of the baking championships that I'm ready to do that. And, and I was, my agent was like, when are you going to do another cookbook? When are you going to do another cookbook? And (laughs) and I'm like, I just, I don't feel it. And I finally feel it. So that's a yes. And it makes me want to just experiment and explore. And at home, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I mentioned that at home because so often I don't do as much at home as I do in my professional world. So that's huge for me. It's, you know, wanting to just cook on my own time. It sounds weird to people, I'm sure, who are listening, but <laughs> no, it it's makes, true. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, you teased it already. Let's dive into this very exciting brand new show, Chasing Flavor. Was this a project that you kind of had the idea for and developed, or were you brought on to this project as the host? I had an idea. And so I am an EP and executive producer on this show. Mm. And it all started from a conversation at a dinner party. This is why you go to dinner parties. Yes. (laughs) Move over golf courses. This is why you. (laughs) The real deals get done over food (laughs) and wine. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was at a dinner party actually at my literary agent's house, Janice Dono and her husband, Peter Geller. And. I was saying how if I'm in a place where there's just a a person from a different country, a culture, I'm like, you know, uh, instead of saying hello, I ask them, what's a dish that you miss from home or something that you love from home? Mm. And I watch how their face changes because it's such a personal question. You know, when you say how you doing, like fine. Right. But Mm -hmm. when you ask about a dish and I, I watch, you know, these people sort of, you know, really just change and how they're talking about the love of this food and who's making it and all of that. And so this was the part of the dinner conversation and we're going around the table and Peter loved that conversation so much that he went to tell a friend who was the president of Jeff Hassler at original productions. And that's how it started. And then Jeff a week later called me and we were going back and forth since 2019. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So this has been in the works for, for a little while now. Yeah. I have to ask you before we, you know, kind of move on and dive more into this. What, what would your answer to that question be? It would be cornbread, beans Mm. and collard grains. So, and they all are dishes that come from my background in Nashville, in the South. My grandmother's cornbread is like such a a visceral memory for me. Mm -hmm. And, and just, 
even to the point where she never made it until we were on the inside of the door every Sunday and we went to her house every Sunday and we arrived <laughs> about at the same time every Sunday. I'm like, what? <laughs> Can you be a little bit psychic? And just the the sizzle of it, of the batter going in the pan and rolling up the sides with that fat and, and the cast iron skillet and going into the oven. And I knew that I'd be eating in 20 minutes, and, <laughs> you know, right. And so with that cornbread, I would want like some kind of stewed beans and collard greens. And even to the point when I was working in New York, if I felt homesick or if I was down, those were the things that I would make, mm. you know, that made me feel comforted. So how how does this go from, you know, an idea, a, a dinner party conversation into an actual show concept? Take us through the progression and what this show is about. So it was a lot of conversations. I went to L.A. to meet the development team and I'm talking to them and just about that very conversation and said, I really want to give credit to the cultures who had a hand in a dish, you know, and it's and so often as a chef, when you put a picture up on social media, somebody will say recipe question mark. Of course. I'm like, wait a minute. There's <laughs> every more single time. Ex- every <laughs> single time. You know, I'm just like, wait, you cannot get this recipe without t- me talking about it, without some kind of head notes, without a story, because that's what makes the recipe. And mm-hmm. I was talking about this. And so working with the development team at Original and what that looks like with different dishes and how many iterations a dish goes through before it gets to where we experience it here in the States. It started somewhere else. And, and, and so it was that part. We shot a sizzle reel in one and a half days in LA. It was crazy. It was one camera person and a sound person. And we were just going to different restaurants, like different cultures. And I would go into the kitchen and, you know, the camera would be behind me. It was, it was, so that was that. And then I think probably almost a year and a half later, we were shooting it. And there was a lot of back and forth with the executives, like what dishes, what can we pull from each place where we visited? So every dish is something uh, each dish is something that is quintessentially beloved by Americans. Mm. But the story that we're telling is that it started somewhere else. Okay. And then when you go back to that place and then they're like, it started somewhere else, (laughs) you know, you you just keep going back. But the conversations that we had was, was there enough story? Were there enough differences to sort of bring this, you know, historically just interesting Mm -hmm. and bringing it forward? You know, with the ice cream episode, ice cream is ice cream. It's it's pretty basic, but does it have an egg or not to egg or not to egg? Mm. You know, that is the question. Yeah. And, well, let's talk about ice cream because you have very, you know, core memories surrounding ice cream, you know, yes. churning ice cream with your grandmothers as a kid. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to be able to not only dedicate an entire episode to ice cream, by the way, but to really like be that investigative, curious, you know, journalist kind of perspective and really find the roots of this beloved dish? Yes. And you know what I, what I, so first of all, I love ice cream. Uh, <laughs> my first job was working at Baskin Robbins. I, I pay, I used half my check to, to buy <laughs> to ice actually cream. eat ice cream. I mean, what, I mean, I could get free ice cream and I was still buying more ice cream. Okay. So let's, let's just set a base level of my love <laughs> of ice cream. Uh, <laughs> it's important. 
important. Okay. It's very important. Also, you know, with my grandmother's churning ice cream and all of that, but just historically, those stories that we're telling, and as a, a black woman, it was important for me to learn some of the history of ice cream and being tied to black cooks and those black cooks that were at the White House. And when I say black cooks, I mean enslaved people mm-hmm. who were at the White House, the father of ice cream being a black man. But it also was from a culture like France. And even though we could we could leave, you know, Philadelphia and go to France it, in this in this journey, we make a choice. Do we go to France or do we go to Italy? And so what we're trying to say is that there's no definitive path when it Mm. comes to food. You can, you know, everything splits off. It's like a tree. It's like your family tree. It's like you choose a branch to travel down. And so personally, when I found out more about that connection, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so awesome. And then I also have to think, you know, because we're very upfront about, you know, this happened with a black man and, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. you know, and Dolly Madison and all these other people and and what that was like back in the day. And, and so and we're very upfront and honest and sharing those stories. When we went to Italy or Florence, you know, it was about the egg. But what I didn't realize um, when we were in Philadelphia is that American ice cream is not custard. And so when mm-hmm. I worked at Baskin Robbins and there was like the French vanilla, mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, it's French vanilla, but I wasn't thinking that that French vanilla had egg and our regular vanilla uh, ice cream didn't have an egg. It was like French style. Exactly. Uh, I was like, whoa, I, what? I, I just, I just had that epiphany at this point too. <laughs> it's, right. You know, it's always yellow. And yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, how didn't I know that? And so there are all of these little pieces that I'm discovering and I'm like, oh, whoa. And, you know, and it was Philadelphia style ice cream. Philadelphia style ice cream became American style ice mm. cream. And so they dropped the Philadelphia part. Interesting. And and throughout the show, there are instances where the, the founding place for this thing, be it hot chicken or ice cream, where it's called one thing, but it becomes ubiquitous. And mm-hmm. so that a name is dropped. And so when a name is dropped, you lose that trail, mm. especially in talking about it. So that's why this show is important. Why is it important for us to also just understand what we're cooking, the ingredients we're using and where those ingredients or traditions or whatever the case may be where they come from. I think it's really important because in this day and age, when people are curious about where they come from, who they are, there are a lot of divisions right now, politically, all over the world. Mm -hmm. You cannot separate the people and the culture from the dish. And so what this show is really trying to do is in a, and something that is very familiar is to dig back and to give you the pieces that are unfamiliar so that you can attach the people to the food, the cultures to the food. Because if you don't know the culture, you don't know the dish. And we say that repeatedly. And to be curious, to be curious even about like, what does your DNA look like on a plate? Mm. You know, what does my <laughs> DNA look like on a plate, right? You know, yes, there's African. Yes, there's American. There is Spanish and there is a little, tiny bit of English. So like, what, what do you look like on a plate? Mm-hmm. 
No, I mean, I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd have to really, you know, dig down and, and think what, what that would be. You know, you, you mentioned learning about the different styles of ice cream and where that came from. What else surprised you along this journey? I think commonalities. Mm-hmm. You know, we call something different. When I was in Ghana and I was having this fermented corn what's they call it kenke and I'm, I'm talking to this local this Ghanaian woman and I'm like wow this is kind of like a stiff version of grits she's like grits she's like what's grits that is a terrible <laughs> name I mean <laughs> gritty she's like oh that sounds gritty I don't like it <laughs> you know and just how we name things right and even in the book and I can't remember the author's name well she did a book on grits and how it was basically misunderstanding a, a Native American word, you know, that Europeans were used like grossed, grist, mm-hmm. and that's how grits came about. So it's, it's literally somebody mishearing, like telephone game. It, it, <laughs> you, you, so, so, yes, it's a bad name because it was misunderstood. So, yeah. <laughs> somebody um, with the, the tin can and the string at the end didn't <laughs> hear it correctly. And, and now we're stuck with grits, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And seeing it in different cultures and taking for granted that you know, I can go to the store and buy grits or I can get stone ground grits. You know, they have these heritage and heirloom grains and and then being in Accra in a village, well, outside of Accra in a village where we're pounding like dry corn and I'm sifting it out and we keep pounding it. I'm like, wow. You know, so I got to go back in time. It really was like time traveling. I got to go back in time to see how this thing that I'm eating now that I can just go to the grocery store or even call and order online and get it so easily Mm -hmm. how it was eaten like ages ago. Yeah. And that was amazing to me. It was just, it was incredible. Coming up next, Carla talks more about her new show on Max, Chasing Flavor, so stay tuned. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What did you take away from the experience from like a chef perspective, like things that you might want to incorporate into future, you know, dishes that you you make yourself? So interestingly enough, the pot pie episode was absolutely an episode that I want. Well, two, Al Pastor and Mm. pot pie episodes. Um, You know, I go back. So my life, my culinary journey runs parallel to the chicken pot pie. Mm -hmm. I it was the first dish that I learned to make. You know, it was Julia Child's recipe. I felt like it took, you know three weeks to make it, but it was, (laughs) (laughs) it was only three days. I mean, it literally took me three days. I I mean, you know, poaching the whole chicken with the vegetables and then you pull that out and you have to pull the chicken and then you have to cut the vegetables and you put it back in and, you know, you make a, a, you make a, you know, the, a blonde roux and you, you know, all the things I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> and then I didn't even make the crust. That was the funny thing. Forget the crust. I didn't make that. Somebody else can make that. I'll buy right. that store. <laughs> so that, that was like the first, the first dish that I made. And, and then when I was on top chef and I was on Jimmy Fallon and then I won that cell phone shootout challenge. And I remember saying to Tiffany Derry, who's my roommate, I said, man, I just want to make a chicken pot pie. I just, I, I was making things that I wanted to eat, basically. Because I, <laughs> I love that. True story. <laughs> I'm like, I just want some leftovers. I want to have this afterwards. And, you know, and so I said, I just want, I just want a chicken pot pie. I, you know, and there was a cell phone shootout and we see all the, the potential dishes to, that are going to be on the cell phone shootout. Like, oh my God, it's a pot pie. I want that. And here we have a phone and we have to push stop while this wheel is spinning. And I pushed stop and it was chicken pot pie. I'm like, oh my God, God, it's chicken pot pie. Are you kidding me? And so then I won and I ended up winning that challenge. Mm. And, and so I got to go on the Jimmy Fallon show for the first time, you know, for that show and, you know, television outside of my little world. And, you know, it was chicken pot pie. And then I put that recipe in my first cookbook. So I needed to do it for this, for my first travelogue show. Here is this recipe, you know, Mm -hmm. this journey of the chicken pot pie. And so when we were in this, this Roman recipe from the 16th century, it is a pot. It is a chicken stew in a pot. So it's, and you make a pie out of crust. It's literally chicken in a pot pie, (laughs) right? And it it was so simple and so incredible. I'm like, I am fascinated with this process of building this crust in a um, dish and then putting flour in it to weigh it down and Mm -hmm. excavating the flour out, which felt to me like wonder flour. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) So there's that. And then being in Cornwall and doing the pasty. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't think it was going to be good. I was like, what part of just some meat, some turnips and some potatoes and onions, just no browning. No, you know, I thought it was going to be like boiled meat. When I ate that thing, I took my first bite and I was like, wow, this is really good. And I couldn't, I, it was probably rude to say, and I was like, I didn't think I was going to like it, but it was, 
<laughs> but because I don't have a poker face, you know. <laughs> but no, that's exciting. It's exciting to, you know, have those experiences where you are, you know, learning, you're trying something, you're experiencing something that you haven't before. And you got to do this. I mean, all over the world, you go to yes. Italy, Turkey, Mexico, Jamaica, Ghana. What a dream gig for I mean, everybody was, <laughs> well look you know everybody's like i wanted that show i pitched that show i'm like okay i won <laughs> i think everybody wants right. an iteration of that show for sure but you know so then then in jamaica so my dream thing as a chef would be to take all of these iterations you know from the curry crust or the turmeric crust that they had in the 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 meat patty the, the meat the meat patty in Jamaica and what we I had in Cornwall and what I made in that that ancient recipe and put it all together for a particular thing I mean mm. you know and so I left feeling like that for every single show every single journey like how can I borrow which mm. is what we really did yeah what, you know what we're looking at but just being very deliberate and intentional about it as a chef that I walked away with that. Hmm. What was your favorite stop? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's oh, a tough question. Oh, I'm it's sure. so wow. It is wow. It, it it's so hard because there were so many moments, and it was my first time going to Ghana, mm-hmm. and I've been to other African countries, you know, and I have a lot of friends from Accra, and I got to see them. So that was really special because here I had been, I've known them for a couple decades and it was for the first time that I was able to go to their home country. So that was really special. But then when I was in Turkey, I loved Istanbul. I, I even went back a couple months later. I, I took my husband. I said, we have to go here. You, <laughs> you have to see this place. And, and I made just some amazing friend connections and friendships and but being in bursa turkey at the beginning of the the shawarma or the kebab and where it started and how they are maintaining a piece of history and to be able to step into that world was incredible and it's it's not shown on the show and i hope we get to to do it somehow in social media I got to meet this father and son team and make a knife that I honed and they're, they're dipping it in olive oil and the handle is walnut because they have olives and walnut and, and bursa and the coast. And it, it was just amazing. And they gifted a knife to me and they presented this knife and they were telling me that they looked on social media to see if I was right-handed or left-handed, how I used my knife and I was in tears and (laughs) it was so special and yeah, it was just amazing. And so I, I, I feel that my superpower is that I genuinely like people Mm -hmm. and I'm interested in people and it's, it's necessary for a show like this, but I met so many amazing people who opened their hearts and not vulnerable and sharing and, and the, and the crew, oh my gosh, the crew was incredible and people traveling together you know you expect somebody to come out of a bag and become not that person you want to travel with (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a I mean that's a risk right (laughs) it's it's a risk and it's real and and that didn't happen and and so it was really wonderful and we were doing this in the middle of the pandemic what about a favorite bite is there like a bite that stands out that really just like kind of rocked you um dandruma the Turkish ice cream. Okay. Oh, okay. 
I mean, an ice cream that you could eat with a knife and a fork. Like, wow. What? What? Right? Exactly. I, I'm, I'm like, I don't even understand what you're saying. What was it like? It, and it's made with goat's milk. It is wow. goat's milk, sugar, and an ingredient called salop, which is the dried bulbs of orchids and into a powder. And it was so different. And I... I am not one to want different for different sake. I'm not, I'm not a thrill seeker like that in food, Mm -hmm. but I was so amazed. And I was like, Salop, how can I use this? Can I buy this? Like what? (laughs) You know, I was just the chew, you know, you talk about the chew of ice cream and Mm. it, it has this elastic gumminess, but it's, it's just incredible and, and balanced. And you get this kind of a little mild funkiness from the goat milk and sweetness. Wow. And so it was my most, I would say it was my most interesting bite because it was like, I'd never experienced it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm I'll be in, I'll be in New York looking for that. I'm like, where can I get some Donner? <laughs> I know I need to, I need to seek this out now. My best bite. One of my best bites was in uh, San Antonio at okay. a taco truck. And this mm-hmm. was the Al Pastor journey and this young chef named Jaime. And he, he is from Mexico and he's taking his, it, the ingredients that he would use with his grandmother and just, just turning it on its head. And he had a salt that was made from, and I love flavored salts and I love like making citrus salts, but he had a salt that was made from burning the corn husk. Wow. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I'm gonna, I'm so going to be doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, another food that is near and dear to your heart is hot chicken. What did you learn about the origins of this iconic Nashville dish? That, you know, it was a very personal journey starting in Nashville and talking to Miss Jeffries. And I learned that, you know, she, you know, her uncle, like from Princess Hot Chicken, they started it and it was called Princess Barbecue. And she was actually instrumental in saying you can't call it barbecue. It's not barbecue. So in calling it, you know, Princess Hot Chicken because it was spicy. And I didn't realize that. But I think the thing that hit all of us was when she was telling this story and she said, we can't even throw our trash out because people, the dumpster divers are trying to figure out what our recipe is, you know? And so they have to covet their trash and take it home. And, and also the moment that she talked about when it wasn't Prince's hot chicken and it became Nashville hot chicken, Nashville's. So it wasn't Prince's hot chicken. It became Nashville's hot chicken and hence removing their name. And so that was, you know, and that happens a lot in, you know, the black community and our legacy, it's erased. And all of a sudden, and now Nashville, I mean, you know, Nashville, but then you go places and it's just hot chicken. Right. And, and so, and she got a little emotional about it and it just hit me. It just really went into my heart and here the legacy is of this family and it's being watered down. And so that was, that was, so that was that moment. But what I gleamed, and I remember when I had my restaurant for a very short time. So Carla Hall Southern Kitchen, and we were doing hot chicken. And I remember someone on social media from Nashville saying, I can't believe you got to do hot chicken outside of Nashville. You're stealing it. You're, you know, 
And when I look at the spices and we went back to Ghana, where the origin of these spices is mm -hmm. there. And so when you look at how food has has morphed and changed. And I think the question is, how do you share the stories? How do you give credit to the cultures who had a hand in the dish while also being creative? Mm -hmm. You know, because it comes from somewhere. And so, you know, that hit me in that, in, in that journey. And I think it's by honoring these people. It's like, hey, this is a version of the hot chicken that the Prince's family starts. So whenever I do hot chicken, I'm inspired by, you know, Princess. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you hope people take away from this show? I'm hoping that they will truly be more interested in the people as part of a delicious dish. Mm. I'm hoping that people will seek out all of these dishes in their community and share them say oh this is where we got a great you know shrimp and shrimp and grits hey this is where we got a great you know hot chicken or barbecue or you know and mm -hmm. and you can travel in your own zip code right you know and being very direct speaking of shrimp and grits i was at the the blue nile in Brooklyn and Ferrera here here this woman is and she's a beautiful addition to the shrimp and grits story and here, you know, I'm like, it's coming. It's hold on. It's coming. Cause you know, you really want to show it to all the people who are involved. And here she is with her food truck and she has a GoFundMe and, and all these things. And so you want to highlight and lift up all of the people that we profile in the show. And so I'm, I'm, I just want to give a shout out to her and wishing her, you know, all that luck. And, you know, I know it's been tough, but hopefully, you know, they can overcome it because she is such a beautiful addition to the shrimp and grit story. Mm. What about for our listeners who are, you know, listening to this interview and, and watching this show? Maybe they're chasing their own flavors at home. What do you recommend if somebody is, you know, suffering from flavorless dishes in the kitchens? How can they recover and, and what can they take from this show to in, into their own cooking journey? Well, well, look, I mean, flavorless is all relative, isn't it? Sure. You know, because if you're from the Midwest, black pepper is your flavor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's your flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little more is your flavor. I think I'm hoping that people will try new things. I, I really, I think that I hope that you are inspired. And I'm going to tell you, watch this with uh, a tissue because you're going to be drooling. You're going to want, every time you see an episode, you're going to want that thing. So <laughs> get your tacos ready, get your ice cream ready, get all the things ready because you're going to want them. It, I, I've seen the episode so many times and it's hard for me to even thinking about it. My mouth is watering. I'm probably going to choke myself because you know, it's the saliva. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really hope that people will see a piece of the journey to attempt and try and look for recipes to, to interject into a dish that maybe they didn't realize. Maybe you're doing chicken pot pie and you're watching the part of the journey, like a regular American chicken pot pie, but yet you're watching it from the perspective of a Jamaican, you're like, wait, I can put curry in my chicken pot pie that mm. I'm making anyway. Right. Yum. Right. <laughs> what I can take rutabagas and turnips and put that into my chicken pot pie. You already know how to make a chicken pot pie. So now take an element from this journey and from the story and add to your own thing that you already know how to make because the technique is not going to change, but your inspiration hopefully will give you a new experience. 
I love that. A, t- a tissue for the saliva and the drool and a tissue for the tears. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's going to be some really like tear jerking stories shared on this as well. And yeah. we're so excited to watch. We are going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you. Love it. All right. Your favorite frames right now. Oh, I've, I've, I just bought them. I, you don't even see them yet, but they are blue. I love them. Ooh. They're like, they're a little bit grayish blue. Oh, oh, okay. We'll be on the lookout on your socials show. You cannot get enough of. Wow. Reacher. I'm looking at Reacher right now. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know that one. What's that one? <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix. You don't, okay. know, no, you don't know Reacher? I don't know Reacher. I need to, now oh. I need to go. Okay. Well, uh, the other thing, uh, there are a couple shows, like Netflix thinks I'm Korean. I watch all of the <laughs> Korean dramas. Okay. Love it. So I'm watching The Voice. It's, okay. Well, so I call it The Voice. It's in singing. It's Voice. So voice. I'm, I'm on the last episode. I'm, I only watch 10 minutes at a time because I don't want it to end. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. Inspired by Chasing Flavor, we're going to do a little four Mary Kill. So we've got shrimp and grits, chicken pot pie, hot chicken, fork, Mary Kill. Oh my God. Fork the chicken pot pie, marry the. Oh my God. Kill. I have to do a kill. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I, I'm going to say, I, I hate to say it. I'm so, I'm going to say kill the hot chicken if it's Ooh. too hot. Okay. Cause I'm going to marry the shrimp and grits. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one you can go back to over and over again. Yeah. Your number one kitchen rule. Taste, taste, and then taste. <laughs> Simple snack that hits the spot every time. Cheese and crackers. Agreed. <laughs> Most used app on your phone. Oh my God. I'm visualizing my phone. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I think it's my banking app. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, that's fair. It's, I mean, it's Bank of America. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Our final question. And we asked you this, of course, the first time we had you on, but I'm sure, you know, the answers have changed over the years or maybe not. We'll, we'll see. So what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want you to take us through the progression of breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can travel, time travel in between meals, spend as much money as you want or not. It's your day. We just want to hear your ideal lineup of meals. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just went to the luncheonette in Brooklyn mm. and I had the Israeli bagel plate. Okay. I had well, about, now I need to go. <laughs> I had about 14 different things. And you would have thought that I, you know, I was eating for 20, but you know, <laughs> um, it was so good. And it was a piece of toast and they had like this labneh. Mm. Um, and then they had like all of these herbs and little spices on top of that. It was creamy. It was the, the toast was perfectly toasted so that when you bit into it, you didn't cut your mouth, but you also mm. heard something, the crunch. Yeah. And the softness and everything was seasoned perfectly. The yellow tomatoes were seasoned. And then you had pickled onions. You had um, avocado. There was also salmon. And oh my God, I had a, a, a plate with halloumi cheese. Oh my wow. God. It was, sounds incredible. <laughs> it was so good. So that would be, that That's would be breakfast. my breakfast. Okay. That would be my breakfast. For lunch, I... Whew, Okay, for lunch, I, I kind of want pizza. Yeah, There's a, a place in <laughs> Chicago, and it's not deep dish. It is, I can't remember the name of it, but it is a 24-hour crust mm. that is like really light and balloon, and they 
they can't even cut it with a wheel. They have to cut the pizza with scissors. Mm. And I would have that with their golden yellow tomato bisque, which is so good with the olive oil from the south of mm. Italy. What? That what? sounds incredible. My stomach just growled for sure. I mean, I, I don't my mouth is it. watering right now. <laughs> and then... For dinner, I'm going to say that I really, I want my great aunt's chicken and dumplings, mm. my great aunt Minnie. I, I haven't had chicken and dumplings like hers, and I haven't even attempted to make it so Carla listen to this. <laughs> as she talks, as I talk about myself in the third person. I love it. So yeah, I want to finish with, with chicken and dumplings because I, I love, I love like chicken and all of that stock and I love biscuits and I, eh, oh. I want that. Yeah. And are you eating um, dessert? Uh, yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> Please, I'm eating dessert. I want a, I mean, I'm switching it up because normally I would say something lemony, but mm. I want a malted chocolate cake mm -hmm. with a vanilla ice cream and a French vanilla. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes please I, I, you had, I have to say a french vanilla ice cream and i want chocolate sauce and toasted almonds wow with that yeah sounds sounds delightful sounds i want that right now i swear <laughs> I, I think i'm sure you could probably find that in new york right now yeah <laughs> well that sounds absolutely perfect and we are so excited for the new show and so excited to watch and congratulations on that and all of the other things that you've said yes to that you have coming up thank you so much thanks for having me back this was fun Chasing Flavor is streaming now on Max, so be sure to check it out and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.